state funded lobbyists we have here in, in the state of Tennessee. Uh, if you're not aware of it, uh, your tax dollars go to fund lobbyists that work against our bills. And it's, uh, it gets a little aggravating at times. Hello everyone, I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative, and today I'm joined by Todd Warner, state representative for Marshall and part of Franklin, Lincoln, and Marion counties. Todd is a small business owner in the construction and farming industries. He is a member of the Education Instruction uh, Committee and Subcommittee, Government Operations, and the Naming and Designating Committee. He is also on the Joint Commerce, Labor, Transportation, and Agriculture Committee previously. Todd served as Marshall County School Board uh, member and alderman for the town of Chapel Hill. He is married to his wife, Cindy, and they have three children. Todd, welcome to the program. Glad to have you. Good morning, Brandon. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So tell us a little bit more about your background and why you decided to run for office. Obviously, you've gotten through your almost through your freshman year. Uh, in the General Assembly. So tell us a little bit about what prompted you to do it uh, and a little bit about your background, maybe that I've not shared. Okay, yeah, I grew up in a small town, which was small. It's, it's, it's growing now, southern middle Tennessee, Chapel Hill. Uh, attended Forest High School there, uh, graduated there. I grew up on a dairy farm, uh, milking about 150 head of Holstein cows every morning. So uh, Dad made sure that you know, we were up before school working and we had something to do when we came in from school. No, no in-town stuff or on the streets. We were on the farm. I've uh, been married to my wife, uh, for Cindy, for 31 years. I have three children and my oldest, uh, Patrick, uh, he works in the construction industry with me. Uh, we also uh, still currently farm uh, about 800 to 1,000 acres of uh, corn and soybeans that we row crop each year. And uh, that's more of a hobby, heritage type thing. Uh, I have a small uh, construction company doing site work and uh, utility work, and that's where I make a living from. Very good. Well, I understand what it's like to, to work on a dairy farm. I've worked for a large animal vet, 7th through 12th grade. And um, since dairy cows typically tend to be kind of small, and since I was kind of small versus my uh, Dr. Garrett, who was six foot five and a scout sniper uh, Marine, whose arms were about this big, guess who right. got to do all the business end work on the dairy yeah. cows? Little old five foot six Brandon Lewis. Uh, so I've, I've, I've seen a lot of uh, the business end of a dairy cow, so we could, we could share some stories about that. So this was your first full term in Nashville as a freshman representative. Tell us how you thought it would be versus how it actually was. What were your biggest surprises, both negative and positive up there? Maybe some things that your typical primary voter wouldn't realize or know. Well, it's been uh, on the positive end. It, you know, when I got, got down here, everyone made me feel welcome. Uh, the support from the leadership and uh, the, the caucus members that's been here a while, they reached out and, uh, and um, made all the new members uh, feel welcome, uh, led us in the right direction. Took a little while to figure out how bills are filed and what committees, how they get assigned, that type of stuff. But for the most part, leadership done a, done a, done a real good job with us on that. Uh, one of the dis uh, disappointing things that, that I've come to find out since being down here, uh, or figure, figuring out since being down here, I think we're going to talk a little bit about it, is the uh, state-funded lobbyists we have here in, in the state of Tennessee. Uh, if you're not aware of it, 
your tax dollars go to fund lobbyists that work against our bills. And it's, uh, I don't know, uh, they've shot a couple of my bills down this time and uh, it gets a little aggravating at times. Each department, if you, I guess the, I didn't realize it until I got down here, but each department, whether it be the Department of Health, Department of Transportation, uh, Department of Safety, uh, Department of Corrections, every state department has what we call liaisons down here. And what they do is they're the go-between between us and the administration being the governor's office. And uh, if they like our, our ideas, fine. But if we have a bill that they don't like, uh, I mean, they work just like a lobbyist down here. They, they'll kill our bill. They'll testify against us in committee. They'll go to other members' offices, just like a lobbyist, and work against us. And that's been this kind of disappointing to me. Uh, it's one thing I've kind of had a, had a hard time with. Well, you know, we talked to Janice Bowling last week, uh, who's the deputy lieutenant governor, and she had almost the exact same thing to say. And there were a few anti-lobbying bills. It's it's one thing if if, if you do it, and I, I think that we recently reported that uh, lobbyists and and lobbying firms spend about five hundred thousand dollars in lobbying-related um, um, expenditures per member per member that's a half a million dollars per member so it must be getting something done up there and often i think it's not to the uh, benefit of constituents but this is not private corporate left-leaning money this is for the most part giving our state uh th these are conservative taxpayer dollars probably about 75 percent and have you seen any type of <clears throat> pattern of behavior uh you say that they kill bills if they lock bills they'll let them go if they kill bills have you seen any commonality between the types of bills that they typically like to kill versus the ones that they seem to be excited about not really it's just uh, i think it's just what the uh, the administration wants to do whether they like it or whether they don't uh there's a youtube video out there and uh that senator kerry roberts he spoke out a little bit about this in committee and i highly recommend you go watch that video he done a great job of uh kind of kind of, you know, explaining how, you know, kind of getting on to him a little bit and maybe, uh, you know, showing his uh, disagreement with the, uh, the state funded lobbyist or the liaison. Uh, but you can watch that video and he does a really good job of, of explaining it. Uh, but I'd say far as the bills that they kill, it's just anything. Uh, it can be something simple or it can be something to deal with health care or 10 care or just, you know, there's numerous bills that they kill. Well, I know that the general or not the general, uh, there was a, a letter sent from one of the committees regarding um, whether or not it was constitutional uh, from a separations of power standpoint to have people that are supposed to be liaisons for the legislative branch uh, to be lobbying with taxpayer dollars in, um, in the, you know, the administrative branch rather to be log lobbying in the legislative branch. And I believe that uh, several members of the House signed on to a letter uh, to the attorney general asking if that was even constitutional. We've reached out to that office. We've not heard anything. Typically, they say it takes a couple of months to get that legal opinion back, uh, but I'm hoping that we get, get some information on there. Um, and I know that there were a couple of bills uh, that were presented that could not even get Republican support to be heard in committees couldn't even get a second which the committee chair could easily give I've had a couple, so, couple of those bills it's not a that's not a good feeling when you get there in, in committee and you and you uh you don't have your you know your motion in your second to, to even get a bill heard yeah 
So what were the, what are a couple of bills that were dealing with lobbying that, that could not even get a second? And why would, you would think conservatives or Republicans, and they're not the same, you would think that Republicans uh, would at least want something like this heard because lobbying has been one of the biggest issues, that and PAC money, uh, what I call PAC welfare. It makes um, a lot of members dependent upon money outside of their district from special interest. And so when push comes to shove, you take 60, 70% of your dollars come from special interest. You serve on a, a committee and typically it leans toward the special interest group that that committee has to deal with big conflict of interest. And so what have you what have you found on the legislative what type of legislation was presented and what lived and what died? Well, I, I, the one I know of is the bill I was carrying. And uh, basically what it done is it said they could still lobbyists, but they had to report uh, their time and and the money that was spent on them over here lobbying to finance and uh, registry, just like uh, your your normal lobbyists would have to do. And uh, I forget which committee that was going in front of, uh, but I had a, uh, I could not get a second, uh, a motion or a second. And the uh, chairman had told me uh, that uh, it was a cool wind blowing, as they like to say up here. And that means your bill is going nowhere. It's going to be shot out. Well, and Esther Helton is my state rep, and she could have given well, it a was her, her committee. And, she could uh, have given a second and failed to do so, which is amazing to me that somebody that runs as a Republican would want less transparency in government, less, not more, which should have at least had a hearing, in my opinion, but you never know how these things happen. Uh, talk yeah. about the gun bill you and I discussed uh, earlier today regarding the legal carry age in Tennessee. What's that about? Well, it's uh, it's going back and changing some language, I think, in the governor's original bill that, that uh, maybe Leader Lambert's carried last year, the constitutional carry bill. It's in that bill, and uh, myself and uh, Bruce Griffey uh, tried to, to amend this bill last year on the House floor, and uh, I'm a firm believer, uh, Brandon, if you can be drafted in this country and you can go fight overseas and die for this country, you should be able to take care of your family at home. You should be able to, if you want to... Uh, carry a firearm out and uh, you're a young couple and you want to, you know, protect yourself out, uh, you should be able to do that at the age of 18. If you can be drafted and you can go die for this country, you should be able to carry a firearm here at home legally. And, and that's the biggest, biggest, biggest problem I had with it. There's actually two bills right now. I think uh, uh, Chris Todd has one and uh, Jerry Sexton has the other one. And uh, they're, they're going to do some cleanup to the original, uh, the governor's original constitutional carry bill. Well, and you bring up a couple of things. Number one, Jerry Sexton also uh, read the taxpayer lobbyist, a little bit of a riot act that did not get as much attention, even though we mentioned it. I saw the clip of him doing it in a committee meeting, but I, I and I think it was uh, DCS the it had to do with DCS. And I think that was Clay Doggett's committee. And maybe right. if I reached out to Clay, he could remind me of when that happened, but he did the exact same thing, but his did not get reported as widely as uh, what happened in the Senate. So this almost the exact same thing happened about that. And it was uh, having to do with false reporting to DCS. And uh, right. the, the and they were coming up there, Department of Children's Services, to basically try to, to take parent, more parents' rights away, subject them to mo more oversight, uh, things of that nature. And I agree with you on the, uh, on the Second Amendment issue. I mean, 
people sometimes, especially, especially in rural America and in rural Tennessee, sometimes people get started with their families very early. Right. Yeah. And uh, to me, that's a no brainer. I mean, how can we ask a guy to sign up and go fight for this country and go over there and die at the age 18, but you won't let me protect my family here at home? I mean, to me, that's a no brainer. I know I agree. We, you got you got folks that's going to argue and say, well, you got too many running around here that that's never been around a gun. Maybe they need some training, training. Maybe they don't. But growing up in rural Tennessee, my dad kept a farm and a truck every, everywhere we went, you know, whether it was shooting groundhogs or if we had a little extra time uh, when we were in the hay field, we'd target shoot or whatever, you know. So I, I was just I grew up around the gun, you know, all my life. If you've listened this far, you're one of the true blue Republicans that care about what's going on in our state. So let me tell you, we are the only organization in the state of Tennessee that's doing this kind of reporting so that you actually know who's conservative and who isn't. So if you would go to tennesseeconservativenews.com slash support, this has been the hardest damn thing I've ever had to raise money for. I've raised money for the Muscular Dystrophy Association, Baylor School, state and local candidates, federal candidates, my fraternity, church, you name it. This thing has been the hardest to get support for because there's no money in keeping people free. And there's there's a lot of money in taking people's rights away. So if you go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com slash support, if you give $50 or more or a $10 plus recurring donation, we will send you this. Don't California my Tennessee Tumblr. If you put uh, the convictions and the courage of the majority of these people on these committees up in Nashville in here, uh, which would amount to about this much conviction and courage only when it's politically expedient. And if you put it in here and you shook it up, it would swell all the way to the brim and perhaps even overflow uh, out of this because it has magical properties. We'll also send you a Don't California, My Tennessee bumper sticker along with a Proud Tennessee Conservative bumper sticker. And you will get my heartfelt appreciation plus this directory of your state and local, uh, your state elected representatives in the House and the Senate. And I hope that, that thing changes. I hope that that thing really changes a lot between now and uh, the election because we need some we need some conservative legislators up there to quit lying on the campaign trail and to start doing things in committee. So please do go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com slash support and hit that support button. You'd be one of about three people to do it. Moving right along. We'll talk about anything else that's going on up there or anything that's going on in Tennessee uh, that you think that, especially, you know, we, we have a very large audience of conservatives and they're almost all exclusively Republican primary voters. We do have some independents that lean very conservative. Can you talk a little bit about other things that are going on that, that maybe people would be unaware of or that you think folks should just know about as we close out? Well, I guess as far as the, the, the bills that we have left, we got the two gun bills, I think, that are, that are you know, high, well, I say high priority, but people are talking and we got the new uh, education funding program uh, that we're working on right now. We're probably going to vote on in a couple of weeks. It seems to be uh, getting a lot of attention. Because well, I hope so. Uh, you know, Governor Lee, one of his big, big things was school choice. And he, mm -hmm. that was in his 10 for 10 campaign promises, school choice. And buddy, I live in a metropolitan area where the schools are so rough. I can't send my daughters. I have zero school choice. A lot of Tennesseans mm -hmm. are stuck in that situation. Uh, and I believe if we had some real school choice and some vouchers, uh, even rural Tennessee, I think churches would open up little Christian schools. I think mm -hmm. we could uh, we just continue to pour thousands and thousands of dollars per pupil into these uh, education systems. And man, our reading scores and math scores are in the toilet. And, and meanwhile, they're teaching them all kinds of stuff that we wish they weren't. 
I hope this fun funding formula does something, but I'm afraid that many of these students, if they're stuck in failing schools, and I mean, you can shuffle the money around and put it, you know, in a, you know, million page document, but I don't know that that helps Susie, who's in seventh grade reading at a second grade level. Um, I don't know how that changes much of that. I hope it changes some of it. Uh, if right. you were to talk about one thing in that funding formula that should get conservatives excited or that would make Again, if you just take it down to the kid level, this kid that is struggling academically and maybe is in a school that's full of violence or or half their class or kids that speak English as a second language and the teachers all overwhelmed with those folks in the room, which is what happens in a lot of urban areas in Tennessee, like where I live. Is there what what is it in there that, that we should get excited about or how do you think it will change things? Well, I think the most the, the thing I'm excited about and is student based. And it's we're going to be able to track those dollars, and they're supposed to follow the student. And it's going to be uh, uh, audited by the comptroller's office. And, it, and at the end of the day, uh, there's weights and measurements in this in, in this uh, new funding formula. And uh, at the end of the day, we're going to be able to track where each dollar went. We're supposed to be able to track where each dollar went, and it's supposed to go to that student. Now, students are are evaluated different based on uh, whether they're in a district, whether they're economically disadvantaged, there's different weights and measurements and, and students get, get money based on those measurements. And uh, there's a lot to, lot more to it that I'm still learning about, but it's going to be a lot better than the BEP formula. I think here in Tennessee, I think we rank uh, maybe 34, 35th somewhere in the nation in education. We, we, we as legislators up here know that that's a problem, that that's not acceptable. We got to do a better job. Uh, Yet in return, I think our teachers' salaries are in the 40th, you know, down, down in the 40th, 40th, somewhere in that neighborhood. We've got to do better. We've got to pay our teachers more at the end of the day. I mean, I, I, I do believe that they, they deserve a little bit more pay for what they're doing. But I think the governor's throwing an extra billion dollars this year into education. And uh, I think that's going to kind of put some folks on notice. Uh, we're going to give this thing a couple of years. And if we can't see some turnaround, we've got to start trying something different. I mean, mm -hmm. ranking 34th, 35th, wherever we rank, that's unacceptable to me. Well, and it is a lot of the, a lot of the people on the uh, education committee, I've heard them say the same thing. Well, there's so, a, a few things I think that are interesting. Uh, Beacon did a report, and I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but only 53% of Tennessee's taxpayer dollars make it into the classroom. The rest of it is gobbled up by useless administration. And so we pay about almost $12,000 per student. And so if you could get $12,000 per student, even times just six kids, that's $72,000. You could pay a teacher, maybe put 20% towards administration. Um, nobody wants to go to a government restaurant. Nobody likes government cheese. Nobody wants to go to the DMV. Uh, nobody wants government health care. But for right. some reason, we think if we just keep dumping money into government education, that one day it'll magically turn around and be better. And I think that uh, what we really need to do if, if we're free market conservatives is to start focusing on school choice options that will mm -hmm. get people out of these government schools. Cause I don't, I don't know what you could do. Like if you even gave me said, Brandon, you're in charge of all this. I don't think I could fix it. I think I would be like, well, I think we just need to take the, if, instead of letting the formula follow the student, we'd really just need to let the money follow the student. Uh, and I, I grew up with a dad that couldn't read or write, who'd never been to school mm -hmm. and they're graduating functionally illiterate children. Uh, all over the state of Tennessee, and it is so sad to take 13 years of a child's life and leave them in, right. in a place that's well, going to leave them economically destitute, and to give them a diploma for it, as right. if it, it's I, 
I mean, that. Well, I'm, that I'm, uh, I'm with you on that. If they don't pass, I mean, I'm for, you know, uh, it's, and this may sound a little bit mean, but when a kid can't, can't, can't read and write and can't do arithmetic, they can't hold a job down. And when they can't hold a job down, where do they turn? They turn to the streets. They turn to doing something illegal. Then we then we're keeping them up in our prisons, and uh, it's uh, it's really crazy what we spend on prisons. I don't have the numbers in front of me right here in Tennessee, but when we don't educate kids, it usually don't turn out good. So yeah, I agree. I think it was um, Cameron Sexton that brought it up in an interview that I did with him, uh, Speaker Sexton, that um, most of your male inmates in Tennessee prisons read at a third grade level and uh, the females read at a fifth grade level. Right. right. That's exactly there's correct. a strong correlation between literacy and crime. And I hope that we can get something uh, done about that. I'll give you the last word. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you fighting uh, the conservative fight up there. Uh, what do you want to close out with? Well, just thank you, Brandon. And, and thank Tennesseans. Uh, we're in a great state in this, in this, we're in a great spot right now as a state of Tennessee. I think financially, uh, uh, we rank one or two in the nation. Uh, we're just at Tennessee's in a great spot, and uh, I'm just going to keep trying to fight the fight, and, and maybe we can hold that straight and narrow road and, and stay in, in number one or two. Excellent. Well, Todd, number one, you know. <laughs> well, Todd, thank you so much for your efforts, especially to clean up uh, a lot of that corruption that's caused by taxpayer funded lobbying and for sharing your candid thoughts with us. I appreciate it. And if you enjoy this program and think uh, conservative journalism is important, please go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com and hit that support button so we can bring you these types of news that the liberal media in Tennessee never will. Remember to search Tennessee Conservative wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five star review. It helps. Until next time, I'm Brandon Lewis signing off. Thank you.